Welcome to the DFO Rundown Podcast with Frank Saravalli and Jason Greger on dailyfaceoff.com. Welcome to episode 237 of the DFO Rundown. I'm Jason Greger alongside Frank Saravalli. And it's brought to you by Batano 19 plus. Please play responsibly. The game starts now at batano.ca. Frank, haven't spoken in a few weeks. How you doing? How's your summer? I'm good. We're reaching the end. Today was uh, one of the last uh, rites of this of summer, which is... Uh, Hurry up and log in this morning to the student portal and check out which teacher you have so you can converse with your buddies and find out uh, where your homeroom is going to be for next year. So exciting day in this household. That means school is around the corner. Uh, we have we go back the day after Labor Day. What about you guys? Same thing. Yeah, I've noticed I had some friends of ours who moved to, to California. Their kids went to school last week. And uh, I see Mike McKenna's kids are going this week. I'm just like, man, August 15th going to school. They must get out earlier. They got like, or or you have way more breaks during the year. Yeah. I think they get out earlier is usually what happens. They're out like late May. Oh, so well, that's have June, July and half August. All right. Yeah. Cause we go, most of the Canadian uh, say go until like the end of June, give or take. And uh, no one obviously goes into July and then uh, um, where you go. So yeah, it is funny. Um, my son is entering grade four. And so he knows he has some friends who were in grade four last year. So there's two teachers and uh, you know, he's hoping for one. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's usually the, I can, I remember that feeling. You want to be in the same class as all your buddies for us. It just hasn't always worked out that way, but yeah, he's more that's so- the best thing. Yeah. He's more so concerned about which teacher he has, not who he's in class with. Cause he's like, bah, I just play with him at recess. So yeah. Um, yeah. You, you want, you want the supposed uh, teacher that evidently is nicer. So we'll mm-hmm. see. I always tell him, I said, don't trust what, you know, somebody else might not like a teacher. doesn't mean you won't like him. So yeah. I, I want the teacher that's going to crack him with a ruler. That is true. I, you know what? Huge shout out though, to all the teachers. That is a tough and very often thankless gig. So uh, sh- shout out to all the teachers, especially ones who, uh, you know, who put in all the time and do so much extra work and help all the kids. So shout out to the teachers on a August 21st. I don't know uh, about you, but I've got a serious case of the Sunday scaries. I mean, we're, we're a couple weeks away here. Kids are like, usually most parents are excited about their kids going off to school. They're like, Oh, I get some freedom and flexibility in my schedule again for me it's like i like hanging out with my kids we've had a great summer and i guess i'm just not ready for everything to start yet like this is the first real summer that we've had in three years in the hockey world because of covid and it feels like it just went by so fast that i just i want more Oh, buddy, I'm with you. I was sitting down having dinner with my son last night. We were talking about Matt. I said, man, I'm going to kind of miss hanging out with you because we, we've been doing a lot. My, my wife was gone last week. So we had a boys week and, um, went to the world water park for seven hours one day and, you know, did like the beach outdoor beach another day. And he's, uh, he, I, I've kept him off the ice for the most of the summer and he got in a hockey camp uh, a few weeks ago. And so now, you know, he, uh, we got him a stick extension for his road hockey stick and he's just been firing pucks all day. We've been playing hockey in the, in the garage, moved the cars out, got the nets and it's a lot of fun, right? Actually keeps me, I think I'm in better shape now just from playing road hockey and stuff like that. So no, I will miss it for sure. It's I'm lucky. It's, it's been a load of fun. I think that's actually as a parent, the worst part is, it's not school starting and like for us work firing up again, it's all the activities that come with it. Yes. There's a lot going on and the summer is just awesome. Yeah, no, it is. And, uh, uh, we should also, you know, to, we haven't spoke Frank since, you know, the summer is awesome in a lot of places. Obviously our hearts go out to the people in uh, Lahaina and in Maui, uh, in Kelowna, Northwest territories right now, there's just, just awful fires going on in lots of different places. I saw California with the California. So anybody of our listeners who have been impacted by that or people that we don't know, hope they're doing okay because I cannot imagine, uh, how that would feel to, to see your home and all your possessions and stuff just go up and smoke. So really, uh, I hope they get through it. Cause that's, that's going to be a tough haul, but people are, people are strong. They'll persevere and uh, they'll come back and it'll be great. But that's, that was awful to see. 
Yeah, well said. I've been to Lahaina and Maui, such an amazing place. Oh, uh, love it. Lots of friends in Kelowna, and it's uh, it's tough to watch. I mean, it feels like every time you scroll through your Twitter feed, it's something, some other disaster, and it's what a world we live in. Yeah. Well, Hey, I can tell you, I have no idea what the answer is, but, but obviously there's, you know, we have to look collectively as a group of people to be, Hey, we might have to change some things because the amount of uh, natural disasters that are going on right now, flooding fires, so many different things that are just unprecedented this many that something has to change. I'm just, I'm not smart enough. I'm not educated enough to know what it is, but uh, I'm not sure it's a carbon tax, but we'll see. Yeah, I, I would say I doubt it's a carbon tax and it just cracks me up. Some of the people, the celebs you see promoting climate change that then get finished their message and get on their private jet. <laughs> okay. You're really helpful with the, with the uh, environment there, bud. Yeah. It's going to be a collective effort, a lot of action for a lot of people and hope, uh, trust the scientists. They're the ones that, that'll know the best things to do. I would think now let's get to a little hockey chat, Frank. Uh, we talked at depth about Eric Carlson uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, since then, not a surprise. Most of us expected this, but he became official. Uh, the David Krejci following in the, uh, in the skates of Patrice Bergeron as uh, elected to retire from the national hockey league. Uh, sounds like he might be playing uh, in, in his home country a little bit, but I look at the Boston Bruins, Frank and Bergeron and Krejci, your number one and your number two center, both gone in the same off season, not via trade or anything like that. They both retired. What, what do you think the plan is in Boston right now? Are, are they going to, would they try to still get a, a trade between Winnipeg or Calgary perhaps, or is this status quo to start the year for the Bruins? I mean, I, I think they're probably, pretty stuck unless they're moving someone off of their roster because they have no cap space. I mean, their roster, as you see it right now on cap friendly 22 man roster, they have 436,000 bucks to spare. And not only that, um, they also don't have a lot in their pick arsenal. They don't have a first round pick second or third next year. Don't have a second in 2025. And they're not overflowing with prospects. So they're lacking in assets to even make a trade, let alone in cap space. So to pull something off, I'm sure they'd be interested in, in a Mark Shifley, for instance, but to pull something like that off, it's going to be incredibly difficult to do unless you're trading pieces back to Winnipeg from your roster. And then on top of that, how many of those pieces, what's their contract situation? Will they want to be in Winnipeg? Is there no trade situation? Like there's it's, it would be a really difficult transaction to pull off. Yeah, no, I agree wholeheartedly. So it's one, obviously they have the, uh, I know it's, they got the bonus overages um, of, I think it's four and a half million dollars combined. For, so that that's what really pushes them right there. So it's, it's an interesting one. The Bruins um, after such a remarkable season, the best regular season ever in the history of the NHL, which I think is going to be very difficult for somebody to match anytime soon. It's, you know, they're going to be a big fall off and you know, who's going to play center. That's a significant question. And, and like, they've lost a lot of pieces, man. It's crazy. Well, I think the Pavel Zaka extension that came, you know, halfway through the year, part of that was by design, knowing that there's a real chance that those two guys wouldn't be back. And so that was their thought process. I think Zaka clearly exceeded expectations, but he's not your number one center, is he? Well, he might be, right? I think him I mean, and Charlie. He might have to be. I mean, yeah. Him I and Charlie just, Coyle, I'm guessing. And then you have, um, you probably have uh, Morgan geeky maybe in the three slot potentially. I'm not sure. Yeah. I just, they, they knew this day was coming. That's the thing. Like we talked last year, Bruins serious last dance vibes. That's what it was. I think everyone knew. I think Bergeron and Krejci were on the same page. I think that was part of, Bergeron's sell job to Krejci was just come back for one more year and we'll chase this. And they, I still can't believe it ended the way that it did that unbelievable of a regular season, that many players hitting career highs to fall apart in the first round, completely fall apart, have a three to one series lead. It just, it still blows my mind. 
Yeah, it is hard to fathom. There's no question about it. And the thing about the Bruins, though, their goaltending and defense is really good. And that, you know, that they just might have to, you know, to win a lot of lower scoring games uh, this season. I think they're, they're capable of it. They got an excellent head coach um, like Boston. I still see them, uh, you know, they're competing. I'm not sure if they're going to compete to win their division or definitely lead the Eastern conference, but um, like we've talked about, they could lose 35 points and still be a hundred point team. <laughs> yeah. Like, like that's, what's crazy. But if you're a hundred point team, you're a playoff team. So, um, you know, 35 points, uh, from one season to the next, I think that would put them in like sixth biggest uh, deficit from one year to the next. So, you know, that's a significant drop. Um, and they might do it and still be a hundred point team. I, I think as well and, and as ridiculous as the season was, I still think I have a real question as to whether Omar can do it again at that level. You know, he was a nine fifteen, nine seventeen goalie before, but when you shoot up to nine thirty eight, of course your team is going yeah, to have, have a crazy year. So you're probably going to see some sort of goaltending regression. Although Swayman is obviously really good as well. Um, and they have foundational pieces, McAvoy, Lindholm, Pasternak, Marshand, that they're, they're, they're going to be in the mix. Oh yeah. It's just that I, I'm, I'm real curious. It almost seems like there was a bunch of temporary stopgap moves this summer, bringing back Lucic and Van Riemsdyk and adding Shattenkirk as a, as a seventh D like making those the first off, this team is actually pretty old still. Um, and it just feels like they're kind of trying to just plug the holes. I think of like Chevy chase at the Hoover dam, you know, just sticking a wad of gum in there just to kind of get through the year and see what it looks like before then a lot of these contracts come off the books. You're going to see the big cap increase, but you're going to see Forbert and, you know, some of these other guys uh, hit free agency where, you, you know, the Bruins next summer could be looking at like 15, 18 million bucks in cap space, depending on how things play out that they could be in a pretty decent spot. Yeah. And then they're going to hope that, you know, like a John Beecher or some of their young guys at some point to start to come up and, and can develop. So I think maybe you bring in veteran guys as just one more year of a cushion. And if your young guys aren't ready, you don't have to rush them. They can play in the American league and, uh, and go from there. Uh, the, while the Bruins, I think are a team that obviously we know we're going to come back to earth a little bit from 135 points. Um, the uh, Buffalo Sabres made a trade by Bushkin goes to the uh, Anaheim ducks, uh, basically a salary dump for them. I actually like that defenseman for uh, Anaheim. Uh, you know, they need as many uh, NHL quality players as they can get, but you look at the Sabres now, Frank, I think they're a very competitive team. I playoff think they're team. Be a playoff competitive team for sure. And they got a lot of cap space. Like, and uh, there's a gentleman out there who is from the Buffalo area who is uh, recovering from surgery, who will sign a contract during the season at some point. Like there's no team. If, if the Bruins are competitive and Patrick Kane wants to go home, the Bruins are like, they, they are set up for it financially as well as a team, you know, on the ice, like you're Patrick Kane and say, Hey, you come here, you can play with Tage Thompson. That's pretty enticing. Oh, I love the Sabres. I love everything that they're doing. I think it's this year. The step is getting to the playoffs one year from now. It's Stanley cup contender mode from the East. Hmm. I think they're as well set up as any to be able to take that run. You see the growth that you're going to get this year from power and Darlene after oh. two really good years last year. Who. I just, I, I look at that team and I, I see the twin towers on the blue line, Tage Thompson up front, Dylan cousins and his continued really strong play. And by the way, Jeff Skinner, I know he's not 9 million bucks. He, that's, that's really not that contract doesn't fit him, but he did have 35 goals and 82 points last year. No, no. Hey, Skinner was Skinner had a very, very the last solid two years. Year. He's been really good. Yes. No. 68 goals in two years. Like I, I don't, I don't hate that deal. Um, and just, I, I, I can't say enough good things about where the Sabres are at. Allow Devin Levi to continue to, 
to grow. Uh, he's your future number one. And by the way, need to give a little shout out as well. Speaking of some news in the last week, Rick Jenneret, uh, yes. an absolute Titan of the industry and his calls, whether it's Mayday, Mayday or, um, Top la, 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 Fontaine. Yeah. Or top, top shelf where mama hides the cookies. Like it's, uh, those calls are going to live on forever. And, and it's really cool. I don't know if you have, do you have a bubble hockey in your house? I do not, but he does. I, had one. I have one in my basement here. And when my kids play and they have friends over and they play, he does the play by play <laughs> on the bubble hockey. So when you score, he'll say top shelf where mama hides the cookie. It's it'll live on in my basement forever. Oh man. And I had the chance to meet Rick a few times. He was just an awesome dude. And I remember like, it was funny. You talk to a lot of the Sabre players. Like I've got to know Brad May quite well the last few years. And, uh, and I remember when we say hey, Mayday, everybody calls him that still. And he was just like, it gives him chills just listening to that call again. And how could you not like it? It was a great play. Number one. Uh-huh. But, th- but then you, you throw in the, the goal call afterwards. And then like, if you ask Sabre fans, I'd love to know what their top three Rick Jenneret goal calls are. Like, if you could only give three, what are your top three Sabre fans? Let us know uh, at Jason Gregor, act Frank Saravalli. I'd be very curious, man, because there's so many awesome ones at different times. No doubt. An absolute Titan. Yeah. So I uh, lived a great full life, uh, 81 uh, years of age. And obviously uh, you know, they'll have a special presentation uh, for him this upcoming season. At some point you would think, or, or the RJ uh, Deco on, on his helmet, something like that. He meant a lot to that organization and to the community. You got to remember, you know, when, when Rick was starting out, Frank, like there, there wasn't, there just wasn't the, uh, as many avenues to hear and watch a game. Mm-hmm. Right. And so your, your play-by-play guy in a lot of cases was the connection to the team for a lot of fans. Yep. There's only a few from that era that you'll remember forever. And he's certainly one of them. Now, another player, uh, Jonathan Taves, uh, t- taking time off. It's interesting. Brandon Sutter, who hasn't played in two years, assigned a PTO in Edmonton, uh, coming back from uh, long COVID. He'll see where he's at. And Taves is, is taking a year off uh, potentially, or, or maybe he's waiting, you know, kind of just to see where his body's at. This, this is not a major surprise, uh, Frank, just considering that, you know, the struggles for him, the fact that he even got to play last year and, you know, the year before where he's been battling through this. I just wonder how much of it, it's a mental drain for him. Yeah, I think it's actually more physical than anything. Um, I, I think he really wants to get a chance to heal. And yeah. the truth is, I just don't know if he ever will, you know, yes, to the point that he can live a normal life, but no, to the point of potentially no, to get to the point of competing at the highest level in professional sports. It's he's, it's been a grind. Not only has it been exhausting for him and he tires more quickly, but certain things, I remember him saying at some point last year, when he again took some time off around the trade deadline, because he just, he couldn't do it. He was saying he was having a hard time getting out of bed in the morning. Yeah. I mean, yeah, for, like, COVID's no joke, man, we, we can, like, I, I think anyone can relate to hearing that. And it's one thing to just get out of bed and, you know, not making light of it, but sit at a desk or do something else to go record a podcast. Yeah. Record a podcast, write a story. It's another thing to go and, and exert yourself in the way that these guys do. And I actually give him a lot of credit for being able to work his way back through what he was feeling. Um, I think it's complex. I think it's not easy. And I think him taking some time will also allow him to not just field offers, but also get a better idea of what the NHL landscape looks like in December or November, whenever it might be that, you know, he, if he gets that itch or he feels like he can do it again, trying to get through 50 games is a lot different than trying to get through 82. 
Well, and the other thing, Frank, potentially here this season leading up to the trade deadline, and it might be earlier in the case of Patrick Kane, is you're going to have teams who are competing for playoffs and teams that think they're cup contenders who could be able to add a really good player without giving up anything off the roster. Now, maybe in some case they'll have to shed some salary cap. So I guess there's that argument to it, but we talked about Buffalo. They definitely wouldn't have to. And it's kind of a unique position. And if Jonathan Taves is physically feeling better, a team, because lots of teams are always looking for, oh, that guy to help us in our bottom six, win a solid, Mm -hmm. you know, kill a penalty, win a a key face off. He's, you know, he's won cups. I think he has a little bit of experience come postseason time. It's kind of unique because that's rarely a situation for teams where you can look and, you know, you don't have to give up anything. Like the orders a few years ago with Evander Kane. It made a huge difference for their team. Huge difference for them to, to get to the conference final because of what Kane did. And they gave up nothing for him. So um, it's, it's kind of enticing. And, you know, if you're Patrick Kane, you know, I'm sure a lot of teams will be calling when he's healthy, but, but he'll take his time. And if I was Kane, like why rush back in January? If, if you want to wait that extra month and be sure you're hundred percent in February, that's uh, less wear and tear. He'll probably be fresher come playoff time. That'd be a huge addition for any team. Yeah, no doubt. I, I just think both those guys, um, and it's kind of interesting that they're both two entirely different health situations, right? Like, you know, there's a lots of question marks about Taves. And I think there are, you know, if you're being honest in, in the conversations that I had with teams leading up to the deadline, even they had some questions then as to whether, you know, can he compete? Can he get to the anywhere close to the level that he once was at with the health issue with Kane? It's like, this guy is a superstar still. He's just being held back by the hip. Now he's gotten that fixed and the progress looks amazing. Teams are going to be drooling to get Patrick Kane. I don't know that the same is going to exist for Jonathan Taves. He will have offers if he wants to play. Um, but they're not going to be as no. widespread as Patrick Kane. No, but the value of, of, of the importance of him, like I always go back to the Michael Hanzu's trade deadline for Chicago. Uh, people thought, you know, they gave up a fourth rounder to him, didn't think it was much. And then Hanzu's was huge for them uh, to, to win one of their Stanley Cups. So um, you never know what Taves, who knows if he'll even play this season or not, but it's definitely a story to watch. Now, here we are. It's August 21st. And there were two teams, Frank, that, uh, you know, a lot of people expected some significant moves from uh, this offseason. Hard moves to make, though, because they're, they're top end players that potentially could be moved out either due to pending free agency or want to get out. But the Winnipeg Jets and the Calgary Flames really, you know, obviously Blake Wheeler was was bought out by the Jets. So that's one of their big moves. But do, do you see Calgary or Winnipeg? Do you expect anything between now and the start of training camp, or I guess even the regular season in early October? Or do you think they're going to start the season with what they have? I think they're, I think both teams are likely to start the season with what they have. Calgary is still making a pitch, still making a push to get, Elias Lindholm signed. And I don't, I think it's unfair to say that there's been significant progress made, but I do think that perhaps the Lindholm camp is listening a little bit more intently than they were back when the summer first started. So I think there's a door open for the the flames to sign Lindholm. And then I think they're hoping that if Lindholm resigns and if the team gets off to a better start that you're going to see increased buy-in from some of these other guys, like Hannafin is a, is, is a non-starter. He's definitely not resigning, but there's still a bunch of other guys, Tanev, Zadarov, you know, go through the list. They've really Shillington. wanted to, well, Shillington, they need to see how he plays and how he handles coming back. Um, and Michael Backlund, they view him as one of the leaders of this team. And in fact, I think was in the running to be captain of this team before kind of, you know, all that news came out in the summer that a bunch of these guys were thinking about not coming back. So the flames are kind of, I don't want to say stuck in neutral. I also think they, they believe that they can be a real bounce back team right into the playoffs next year. Well, you look at Calgary, let's just say they, they stay status quo, Frank, and you look at their blue line, 
right? You got Uyghur and Anderson and Hannafin and Tanev, Zadorov. And if Shillington comes back and is the player he was, that's a really good top six from top to bottom. Yes. Right. Um, so I, I could see they why need, the Flames. They need Markstrom to bounce back. Yeah, totally valid. Right. And they look and say, you know, up front, Jonathan Huberdo is obviously going to be more comfortable, more productive uh, this coming season in Calgary than he was last year. I don't think there's much debate on that. So, you know, they, they still have some decent pieces up front. But when, when they were good two years ago and, you know, their defense was a main reason for that, obviously same with their goaltending. And so I can understand how the, the Flames might just say, you know what, let's just start the season, see what we have here and uh, we can go forward. And you know what, if we get off to a good start, who knows, does that, does that increase the odds of, of Lindholm re-signing? Who knows? You can always, I guess, if you have to deal them at the, at the deadline, it wouldn't be ideal, especially if you're in a playoff spot. And that's always the risk, right? That's the risk for any team is you're like, you get into January and February, it's a real tough message to send to the rest of your organization. Well, we don't want to lose this guy for nothing in four months. So we're just going to trade him away for futures. Right. That doesn't make a lot of sense. Right. And they're remember what their mission and and mandate is, is to try and win. Yeah. Yeah. Because they're not, they're, they're not bad enough. They're not, they're not really going to be bad enough with Uberto and Uyghur and those guys. No, not at all. Kadri for them to bottom out, it would take something really crazy. And it's, it's almost they're better off trying to compete because they're, they'll be stuck in purgatory if not. Yeah. Well, and purgatory is the worst place to be in the NHL. We said it. And now what about the jets though? Are like, you know, here's the truth though, about trading goaltenders, Frank, you're going to look at the history of trading goaltenders. You, you rarely get good value. Rarely. So if, if you're Winnipeg, would you be better off saying, you know what, we're just going to run Hellebuck. We'll see how the season goes. Maybe, maybe, maybe he'll resign. Maybe he doesn't. And, and we'll deal with it then in the off season, rather than give them up for, for probably, you know, 50 cents on the dollar and then not have a good year. Yeah. I think they're absolutely between a rock and a hard place. I think their situation is worse than Calgary's mostly because I think we have an understanding that Shifley is probably not re-signing there. And we know that Hellebuck isn't. You have to find a way to replace those guys. And like Shifley could be a really good trade deadline piece. But what if your team's in the mix? Yes. What if Hellebuck plays your team into the mix? I just, could you see a, you know, a big Hellebuck trade before the deadline? I guess you could, but it's so rare and the value isn't there. As you mentioned, teams don't like the idea of trying to rejig their goalie situation mid year, but he might be an ex- exception because it's rare that a goalie of his caliber is available at the day. He, he might be, yeah. but we've also seen other goalies of his caliber traded at the deadline that don't work out. Yeah. Like I'm trying to think the last significant goalie trade at the deadline, like do we go Ryan back Miller? to Ryan, yeah, I was going to say even From even Buffalo to St. Louis, and that didn't work out well. Didn't that work a, out. No, that was a first um, round pick, wasn't it? Was it a first? Like I know Dwayne Rollison got a first, but that's way back in '06. That worked out. The orders went all the way to the Cup final, but um, I'd have to look up that one. I, did Ryan Miller get a first? I oh. think he did. It wasn't that far removed from. Lurie got a second. Remember in 2021 or 2022. You're right. There you go. So it's, and, and think about it. Like you're Winnipeg. You're not just trading Hellebuck for a second. That makes no sense. Yeah. It was Ryan Miller and Steve Ott for Chris Stewart, Yaroslav Halak, William Carrier, a first and a third. Holy cow. That trade is bigger than I remember. Yeah. William Carrier has turned into a really good player since then. Yaroslav Halak went on to play eight more years. And by the way, pending free agent, that first round pick ended up being Jack Roslovic. Chris Stewart was a good player at the time. I mean, that's, that was a whopper. No, or is that, that was that Vegas's carrier? Is that who you're talking about? Or is it the, the other one? Yeah, it's Vegas's carrier. Okay. He, yeah. he went, he was taken in the expansion draft from Buffalo. Right. No. Hmm. All right. Big deal. I like it. 
Hey, it's perfect timing because we are going to uh, bring in Tyler Uramchuk. The big deal himself. Yes. Oh, yeah, you guys, I was getting antsy. That's why I was jumping on there. You just guys have been making me sit on the bench for too long. It's also been, I think, like a month and a half since all three of us were on an episode of the podcast together. Yeah, sorry. Some of us are make ourselves available in the summer. (laughs) Oh, geez, Frank. I'm not even going to get into that. You had no comeback for that. Oh, geez. No, I was going to say, who's the reason we didn't do one last week? But then I remembered we all kind of decided there wasn't enough to talk about. So, yeah, Yeah. fair point. Sure, Frank. Uh, This week's edition of Buy or Sell, it is all about the futures bets that are up on Botano.ca. I found five that I find interesting and I want to run them past you guys, starting with kind of the low hanging fruit of all futures bets. It's Stanley Cup odds. But the way I'm going with this one is that there's actually an interesting kind of top tier. Botano has four teams who all lead the pack at nine to one in their chances to win the Stanley Cup. It's Carolina, Colorado, Toronto and Vegas. Those are your four teams at nine to one. I want you guys to sell on one of those teams. Which one does not belong in the group of top cup contenders? Again, Carolina, Toronto, Colorado, Vegas. Greg's, I'll let you go first. That's a good question. Um, well, I got to go with Carolina because I, I don't think they've ever answered the issue that's plagued them for uh, a long time. They don't, they don't have a, a finisher at crunch time. And I think until they get one, I love their defense, man. Are you kidding me? Their defense, but their def- I've loved their defense for forever. And it's, it's been very good, but I, and, until they have a big time difference maker and I love Ajo as a player. I just, he's, they, they need another one or they, I, I honestly think they need someone a little bit higher than him. I'm going to go with Vegas. It's so incredibly difficult to repeat. We know that. I also just don't think they're the best team in their division. Yeah. Hard to argue against that. There are some interesting odds up for the Pacific division Vegas. They are the favorites. Actually, sorry, they're tied with Edmonton each at plus 200 to win the division. LA is at four to one uh, up next. We're at the very, we were talking about the very top winning the cup. How about Patano's odds for who's coming very last next season? The San Jose Sharks are your favorites to come last at plus 250. And uh, the Anaheim Ducks right behind them at three to one. Montreal at five to one. Uh, Do you buy or sell on the Sharks finishing last, Frank? I will sell. I think it's going to be Anaheim again. Um. I just like San Jose again. I, I don't know what they're doing. I, I, I know I've stressed this before, but they've added pieces to try and be competitive like a Duclair and, and go down the list. It doesn't there. That doesn't sound to me like a team that's trying to bottom out, even though they traded away their engine. So it's, um, it's going to be interesting. I, I don't, I don't think Montreal is going to be that far down. I don't think the flyers are going to be because John Tortorella generally gets his players to compete. I, are there any other candidates that may be higher up? I mean, Chicago, that you could see one, fall Philly six to one. And then after that, it jumps all the way after Philly at six to one, it jumps all the way to Arizona and Columbus at 14 to one. So the, there really seems to be a clear bottom five and then a big drop. Yeah. My money would be on Anaheim. They just don't have an NHL capable defense core. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if, if obviously you play the odds, you would sell because there's, you know, multiple other teams and, you know, somebody gets injured, but I'm, I'm actually going to buy. Um, I, I look at the sharks. Um, you know, is, how healthy is Mackenzie Blackwood going to be in goal? How consistent or inconsistent can Capo Kakinen be? The sharks gave up a ton of goals last year. I don't think their defense has really improved. Um, I, they, they've added some forwards, but somehow I think they might be slower than they were last year collectively as a group. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's the Sharks obviously haven't made the playoffs for a few years. And I think now they're kind of going to start their the descent to even str- more struggles. And and they were right there last year with Anaheim. It's it is hard to think of another team. I just for some reason, I think the Ducks, some of their young guys are going to take a little bit of a step this year. And San Jose, like outside of Eklund, I'm not sure they have any other young guys coming. So I, I will I will buy and go with the Sharks. Up next, uh, not only do they have over-unders for points, but they're offering up uh, odds on will a team get to the 100-point mark 
next season. And there's two I've found interesting after digging through all 32 of them. Uh, The Tampa Bay Lightning plus 105 to hit the 100 point mark. My logic in this one, they had 98 last year, pretty close. I know that maybe they're not the most feared team like they were in years past, but in a division where Boston had 135, Toronto had 111, Tampa was right there. So if Boston comes back down to earth, maybe Tampa Bay can sneak out a couple more points there, right? There are some more points on the board in that division. So I'm going to say Tampa plus 105 gets to 100 points. Jason, you find yourself. Yeah, I'll buy that, man. It's it's hard for me to count out the lightning when you've got John Cooper, then you throw in Vasilevsky and Kucherov and Point and Stamkos and you know, Sergachev and Hedman. Like they still got really good players across the board. That's the one thing Tampa's advantage is, is they've got an elite guy at every position, right? Goaltending defense and forward. So um I, I look at their I, I think they're changing a little bit of their style in their bottom six. You know, they're trying to get a little bit quicker. They're maybe not going to be as robust. Like they let I'll say this. I don't expect Tampa to lead the league in fights this year like they did last year. So uh, I, I think Tampa will uh, will can they squeeze out one more win than last season? Yes, I will buy. Yeah. And also, I mean, you talked about all those guys. It's the longest summer they've had in a long time too, right? Getting eliminated in the first rounds. So they should be rested. Frank. Bingo. That's it. The rest. Vasilevsky, I don't know if you read his comments in the last few weeks, but he had a sort of introspection and I forget where I read it. It might've been overseas, but he said something like, I didn't listen to my body. He said he got to the halfway point in the year and didn't feel well and just kept going out there and playing and play and tried to play through it. And I was talking earlier in the pod about how these have been the last few years have been some of the most unusual summers ever because of COVID. No one lived that more than the Tampa Bay lightning. Yeah. Not only did they win two Stanley cups and have deep runs, but they did it in such a condensed and short time period that they've really played more hockey than anyone by a significantly wide margin. And so first off, I would say, it's really not that difficult to get to 100 points. 12 teams did it last year. The lightning were knocking on the door at 98 with a, for his standard substandard year from Vasilevsky. And they finished the last 10 games of the year, four and six. I think they get there. And I like that. It's a plus money payout too. Solid. Yeah. Awesome. Well, hey, Vasilevsky, Frank, he's uh, he started 104 games the last three years. Um, and uh, you look at at anybody else and it's like 92. So and one of he, those was a 56 game season. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So, um, no, sorry. He started, he won 104. He started 165, um, but he won more. Uh, the only guy to start more than him was Connor. So Hellebuck. he started 165 out of like. 200 225 yeah him and hellebuck's the only guy who played more uh he started 175 but then vasilevsky started 52 playoff games the next closest is bobrovsky at 30 and uh, you go to uh, hellebuck he's at 13 so if you combine the two vasilevsky's ahead of everybody by a significant mark he's played every he played every minute of every playoff run both times that they won the cup yeah. If I'm not mistaken. And so you take those 51, he's played 200 and some 210, 215 games over the last three years. No one's even close. No. Uh, the next team I had on the race to 100 bet is the Pittsburgh Penguins. They had 91 last year. I'm going to say they don't get there, though. It's minus 154 to say no on Botano on them getting to 100 points. And again, Carlson will make them better. I'm not saying he won't. But also last year, they were healthy, right? Malcolm and Crosby played the whole year. They had a lot of things that honestly kind of did go their way at different points. So I think the Penguins, they'll be better than 91, but they'll be under 100. Frankie Biner selling. What is the 100 or over payout? Plus 115. Hmm. I would lay off that. Really? Yeah, I don't like either side because I can see a path. Like I just said, I don't think it's hard to get to 100. Seven out of eight teams in the West did it. Yep. Five. It's really never been easier to get there. Mm -hmm. 
I think that there's a chance that they're really close, but I could also, to your point, I could also see them. I think it's possible that they miss the playoffs next year. I think that's the more interesting. What are those odds? Penguins to miss. I will find that for you. Uh, Jay, what are you, are you buying or selling? I'm actually going to buy because uh, last year was the only time in the last five years, the penguins weren't, uh, on pace for a hundred, because obviously the lot, like they had 77 points in 56 games. Obviously they would have crushed a hundred points that year. Um, the year before they had 86 and 69 were on pace to do it. Then, um, last year was 91. The other two years I think was like 101 or 103. So I'm actually going to buy, I think the penguins, um, Sidney Crosby, just there's something. And I love their head coach. I think Mike Sullivan is a really good head coach. I, I think the penguins get to hundred points because Boston significantly drops. I don't think the Islanders are any better, um, you know, Buffalo, but I, I think the, uh, the Penguins will find a way to get four extra wins from last year. I uh, see. I, I think the, the issue with your logic in that explanation is look at all the teams when they were getting a hundred points over the last five years that they were taking points off of. Yeah. Fair. Buffalo, Ottawa, Detroit, those teams are all, or should be really competitive and or good. And then you've got Washington, who is is hoping to be better than they were last year. Montreal is hoping to take a step. And Columbus, like, they're hoping to be on the edge of the playoffs again or in the playoffs. So if you look at the East, when I slot this conference out in tiers, obviously you're going to have your eight playoff teams. And then from nine to... 14, I think is going to be incredibly close. And then you're probably going to have Montreal and Philly. Okay. So to, to, I I just think there's less points to go around. I think it's going to be pretty jumbled than it was a few years ago. And I, for that reason, I have a hard time making a bet for Pittsburgh one way or the other. I would lay off. Pittsburgh's plus 165 to miss. So not a ton of juice there. Oh, that's enough juice to miss. This is a team that didn't make it last year. And I know the changes that they made, but we've seen in San Jose putting Carlson with another star right shot defenseman doesn't necessarily get you there. Yeah. That's fair. Uh, All right. The last area I wanted to touch on this week, they do player goals, but it's all head to head matchups for the entire season. Right. So you got like, McDavid versus Matthews, Drysaddle versus Pasternak. There's about 12 of them listed on Botano.ca. The one that caught my attention, though, that I'm fascinated with, Connor Bedard versus Sam Reinhart is the matchup they've picked. So Reinhart, the last couple of years, 31 goals in 82 games, 33 goals in 78, and 25 in a 54-game season. So he's basically a lock to get 30, but he's never gotten more than 35, really. You think Connor Bedard could beat Sam Reinhardt in a head-to-head matchup this year, Gregor? When I'll, and I'll add, Bedard is the underdog in this matchup at plus one hundred. Reinhardt's minus one thirty-three. So, trying to think, how many guys in the last decade have scored thirty as rookies? They're obviously Panarin and Connor, a few of those yeah. guys. Matthews, I think, had forty. Um, I I would still go with Sam Reinhardt. Um, it. Connor Bedard is man. The guy can shoot the puck though. That's the one thing, right? Yeah. Like if, uh, if he's going to get a lot of power play time and, you know, set up guy on the power play, if their power play runs, then I could see it guys. But you know, 18 year old players, it's tough, uh, to, 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 to dominate. It's rare as a, as a pure 18 year old, you just don't see a lot of them in the NHL anyway. So I'm going to go with Reinhardt just because I'm, I'm buck. I'm going with the odds historically for young guys. I think it's difficult to score. I'm buying all day long. You're going Bedard. Um, uh, yeah, I think Bedard gets 40 next year. 40. I'd love to see it, man. I hope you're right. So in in the last 10 years, there have only been five rookies to hit the 30 goal mark. Austin Matthews, the only one to hit 40 line, a Kyle Connor, Artemi Panarin, and the fifth one, a great piece of trivia you can use on your buddies at the bar. The fifth one is Dominic Kubelik. Hmm. So an interesting. And I think he did it in like 66 games or something. 68. And games, did it right? in Chicago. Yeah. Yeah. And he did it. Now, 30 is hard, man. Like 30 goals, even now with offense up, it's still difficult to do. So, and the thing is, but both of them could score 30. Like, I, like just was, off the rush. It's not going to be on the power, all on the power play. 
Yeah. Yeah. I think that shot, it's the best. It's, it's either better or as good as Matthews. And that's going to give him a real chance. So All right, I'm man. going Bedard every day. I, I think I like Bedard too, but I can't tell if I'm just, you know, whatever. It's shiny new toy effect, right? Uh, anyways, that'll do it for this week's edition of Buy or Sell brought to you by Batano. A new year is full of surprises, but one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts of up to 89% off USPS and UPS services. So when postage goes up, your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com is like your own personal post office, wherever you are. You can even take care of orders on the go with the mobile app. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Schedule package pickups, automatically find the cheapest and fastest shipping options, and seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. There's even a supply store where you can stock up on mailing supplies, labels, even printers. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. All you need is a computer or phone and printer. Take a chunk out of your mailing and shipping costs this year with Stamps.com. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Great stuff. Yeah, you know what? Uh, Chicago fans are getting excited as they get uh, closer be. to uh, seeing uh, their young phenom and, and what he can do in the National Hockey League. I think there's. And they got know. the worm. What about Fantilli? What about the Blue Jackets? Well, the Blue Jackets are going to be better. There's like, unless they have the same injury issues. Like they had so many brutal injuries last year. I, I, I think it's hard for them not to be better, but. Are they good? Like when you talked about it, when Ottawa, Detroit, Buffalo, um, Pittsburgh, they all want to get in. They didn't get in. Are they going to climb all of those teams and someone else to get in? I just think it's too, it's too big of a hill to climb. We had this conversation earlier about the center position. Yeah. They need like Fantilli can be that guy eventually. Yes but they need help down the middle. Oh, without question. I really like their decor though. I think that I, I said it before. I think that Provorov trade was smooth. Yeah. Provorov, Wierenski, you know, Severson, Gabranskin. Yeah. He might be a little bit overpaid for, for what he brings you, but you know what, if he's in your third pair, I don't mind it. Obviously the, the money isn't great, but I'm going to be kind of curious to see they got to move out some guys, right? Cause they still have Jake bean. Um, they got some other young guys, Boquist. They like so your check's going to your check. I think is going to be in their top four. Denton Matechuk is going to be very close. They're, I, I think they're pretty well positioned to be a sneaky threat in the East. What Tyler, what is the Columbus blue jackets over under in points total for this year? Uh, I know they're about plus 500 to make the playoffs. If you were uh, at all interested in that, but they're over under for this season. I bet if I had to guess it, I bet it's like it's 70. I was going to say 82, 72 and a half. Do we have a lock on our hands? Mr. Saravalli? I'd be absolutely fl- like the flyers got to 75 last year. Yeah. I'd be shocked if the blue jackets aren't in the low to mid eighties. I want to give 72. You- eh? there's another team that's at 72 and a half that I think I'm starting to like. And it's the Arizona Coyotes. I might put a little money on the Coyotes having a good year. They already got to 70 last year and they finished one, seven and two. Giddy up. I got to believe it's when I see it. Um, you know, I, I know there's lots of hype and excitement around the Coyotes, but yeah, I'll, I'll be cautiously, cautiously watching the Coyotes. Like, it's funny. They're like, Hey, if they get 80 points, it's unreal. I'm like, Oh my goodness. That's the bar. It's pretty low bar. So, but Columbus though, like I, I, all the injury issues they had and Oh yeah, no Columbus at 72 Mike, Frank. I take that. Over all day. Yeah. I take that over all day long. By the way, I read yesterday, Mike Babcock only got a two-year deal. Did not know that. Hmm. Makes two sense. Two times four million. Yeah. Makes sense for both sides, doesn't it? 
Yeah, but I, he also, yeah, for Columbus, they spent, they spent to get a guy. Yeah. So just more Renski being healthy all season should, that's worth six points alone. You'd think so. So, no, I think Columbus will be improved. No question. It's just a matter of can they improve enough to, that they, that's a hard amount of a number of teams to jump over in one Whereas year. Not impossible. 76 last year. <laughs> that's yeah, going to need to improve. Yeah. I think it will. I, I think it will for sure. Their defense was just decimated at times. So yeah. they were giving up a lot of chances. They, they need some of the young guys to take a step. They really do. And that's all. That's the most cylinder. Like all those guys need to take another step forward. I think that's the most challenging thing in the NHL when you're an organization and you're like, yeah, we need our young guys to take a step because you're asking players to do something they've never done yet. Right. That's hard. And eventually you do need your young guys to, to improve, but I think if they're going to go anywhere, yeah, it's Waransky, Goudreau, Line A. Those are going to be their guys that have to lead them. And then hopefully the other guys just, you know, improve. If you're an offensive guy, maybe 10 points, six, eight goals or something like that. That, that can make a big difference. It's a big jump for lots of guys. We, we've waited on young players, Frank, for years. Did, and some did, are, did the Blue Jackets go. make the classic brought a player along too soon mistake with Sillinger? Oh, yeah. Steps into the league at 18, drafted 12th overall, plays 79 games, scores 16 goals, 31 points. You're like, damn, that's a really impressive rookie season as an 18-year-old. And then comes back last year and just gets absolutely shelled. 64 games, three goals, 11 points. And then had to be sent down to the AHL at the end of the year. Yeah. I'm never, I, Frank, I will argue against 18 year olds for 99.9%. For and there's, there's of course, Crosby's and McDavid's and probably Bedard, right? There's exceptions, but it's so few, so few. And, um, I just, I don't know why teams do it. I wouldn't do it. Well, he's a guy is speaking of like down, down the middle, like he's your future with Fantilli. Yeah. Now what? Well, the good news, the good news, Frank, he's got lots of room to bounce back. Yep. Yeah. I want to see Ken Johnson take another step too. 40 points last year. Really like Ken Johnson. Yes. Good young player. So no, the blue jackets got some pieces for sure. Frank and great pod, man. Have yourself an awesome week and uh, we'll chat with you soon. Thanks for listening to the DFO rundown with Cervalli and Gregor. Keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com and subscribe wherever you get your podcast from to never miss an episode. Every year, one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts of up to 89% off USPS and UPS services, so your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. It's like your own personal post office. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.